Collection is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Discover your geeky haven with Twink.com. We've been delivering you the best products and all things pop culture for more than 20 years. Enjoy a wide selection of officially licensed merch from your favorite fandoms. We carry top brands from Disney, Funko, Marvel, and DC, Star Wars, Harry Potter, and much, much more. We also offer an array of exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. With all these collectible goods, you're definitely going to need a bigger boat. Come geek out with Twink.com during February to celebrate Anime Month. We're celebrating with new items from top animes, including Demon Slayer, Naruto, My Hero Academia, and more. Use code WINGEEKS15 for 15% off your order. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best move. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's a plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am crew. That I did know. These people may be isolated and unbalanced, but I believe with the right push, it can be exactly what you need. I'm suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen, online and ready. And welcome to another adventure, another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. What was that, Jebediah? Uh, <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was because we almost have to do it. It's a running gag now. We have issues on this show. I said issues. You did. I think, I, you know, he's doing it on purpose now. I, I know. I know. But um. <laughs> So the voices you're hearing is that of the intrepid trio, Larry, Moe, and Curly. I mean, Kylan, Eric, <laughs> and Mike. And guys, joining us this week is the author. Uh, and you're like, but this is Marvel Comics. Comic Comics are writers, not authors. But no, this is author David Annandale, who has written Reign of the Devourer. How is everyone doing? Good, good. Really well, thank you. Yeah, I'm doing good. Um by the way, I, I do have to share this really quick. Uh, on the on my way home from work this evening, I was in the drive-through line at the pharmacy, and this dude pulls up beside me. He goes, "Is that a Sorcerer Radio sticker on on your car?" I said, "Well, yes, it is." He said, "You're the guy who does that Marvel show, aren't you?" I said. I'm one of them, yes. I said, man, that's great. I love your show. I listen all the time. So what? Yes. So always great to, to to run into a listener out in the wild. So Ulysses, thanks for listening. Hope you're listening now because we got a guest. Yeah. Wow. Well, I will have to say um, we, we love hearing from the listeners, uh, but we also, too, love hearing a new tag at the beginning of the show from our new sponsor, Point Toys. So, and use code WINGEEKS for 15% off your, your purchase. So, David, tell us a little bit about Rain. Rain in, uh, it's been a long day, and we talked about this before show. 
Reign of the Devourer. Well, Reign of the Devourer is my second Doctor Doom novel, so it follows up from The Harrowing of Doom and picks up more or less where that leaves off. And Doom is in, on his quest to try to unlock what he thinks is the physical manifestation of all memory, which will give him uh, all knowledge and make him omniscient, which would be very useful for you know things. Uh, unintentionally unleashes the the power that uh, lives there that that exists there. And this triggers essentially a plague of soul-sucking vampires called the Urvalac that starts spreading over Latveria and, you know, annoy a few people along the way. Hijinks ensue. They it. do, yeah. Even some shenanigans, you might say. Oh, wow. Wow. We're going that far. Yeah. Like shenanigans. There you go. Love shenanigans. Yeah, I mean, I but, you know, shenanigans and hijinks, like one or the other, I, I get that. But together? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that, that, that's combustible. That's, that's, that's how serious this is. Or, or it's a podcast. Well, that's when or, you introduce <laughs> monkey shines into the uh, into the. the whoa, whoa! Stuff. Now hold on. Now you now you gotta bring in the Avengers. So you you're bringing in monkey shines too. That that that's Avengers level stuff. I just. So I mean, go, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll tell you that's the only hooligans will, <laughs> will participate participate at that level of tomfoolery, if you will. Yeah, I, yeah. I apologize for the strong language. I'm just saying. <laughs> Is your mother with that mouth? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm sorry. I, well, I'm sorry. It's more language. <laughs> what do you mean, <laughs> language? <laughs> See what you walked into, David. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, like you said, this is uh, this is your second Doctor Doom novel. Mm-hmm. Um, were you a fan of Doctor Doom or slash Fantastic Four growing up? Is oh this- yeah, yeah. Uh, Doctor Doom has been my favorite Marvel character bar none for as long as I can remember. So this uh, uh, this has been very much dream come true uh, territory for me. I keep wishing that I could travel back in time to uh, my eight or nine year old self and tell him do you know what you're going to be able to do now granted I that self would probably die of a heart attack from the future <laughs> self coming to talk to him but nonetheless I I you know I I, I wish I could tell my uh, myself uh, what would happen because this is I mean when I'm writing this I keep having to pinch myself going I'm writing dialogue for Dr. Doom uh, here I'm, I'm getting to uh, write stories about him so yeah uh, he's been he's been my favorite for well, uh, a good 45, 46 years or so now, thereabouts. Well, there you go. So I absolutely right know. Now, the, I was going to say, I absolutely know the feeling you're talking about. I'm going through that right now at work, as we talked about before show. That we made the announcement here um, about a week or two ago uh, that I'm, I'm working at the store Star Cruiser Hotel. And I'm, I'm a huge, along with being a huge Marvel fan, I'm a huge Star Wars fan as well. And this is a dream come true. If there was a Marvel hotel, I would have applied for it if we didn't have a Star Wars hotel. And I knew there was going to be entertainment. So, I mean, it's, I, I'm hitting my dream job and um, I can only imagine the thrill that you get writing for your favorite character. Yeah, it, it, it feels really special. I feel extremely lucky and privileged being able to do that. Okay, so I have a question because um, 
Doom is one of those characters that it it doesn't seem like he does seem like the kind of character that has actually outside of the comics and and, and say novels been done has been given justice in the I way he's been portrayed. Uh, what is is there any version that uh, of uh, across all media and yeah, I may as well throw video games in there mm-hmm. as well. Is there any version across all media that you've that that you felt at least came close to who Dr. Doom is. Uh, so outside of the comics. Yeah. I'll say outside of comics and let's, let's say outside video games because yeah. I think some of the video games come close because I think some of the video games are maybe either written or at the very least influenced by mm. the comics. So Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there's, there's some that I haven't seen because I mean, because he is a character that means so much to me, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that, uh, for instance, in the lead up to the 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 first uh, the, the 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 Fantastic Four film uh, from the uh, that was the early two thousands right I'm trying to uh, um, I'm going to look at something I'll turn out to be the nineties but uh, yeah, when I when I found out that the, that he was you know he wasn't going to be you know the the, the Lord of Latveria but was uh, you know uh, a businessman of some kind uh, that that put me off so badly that I, I wound up not seeing the movie altogether so the uh, the, the I mean, ironically, the the version that I that came closest to it, at least in, in, in a strange way to me, was the the Roger Corman produced film, right? Where you know, at least you know, he's the monarch of Latveria, and he looks like Doctor Doom. Um, the the origin story is you know pretty close, right? Uh, <laughs> it's uh, you know, we that, were all now, hoped that you would say that one. <laughs> yes, we, we have we have a special relationship with that cat in that movie. Joseph Culp uh, was, yeah, was done. We, we actually got to interview the majority of the cast mm. uh, on the show what, three years ago now? Four uh, years ago? I think three, definitely. Oh, three, four years ago, yeah. Yeah, it was... It, it, I, I can't even. I there. It's. It, I'm speechless. I really can never fully express what happened in that interview. And you would probably just lose your mind to hear how much that cast thoroughly loved that movie. They loved the characters, and it was like they they got who those characters were. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reason why you got Doom as close, you know, to yeah. who he really is. Well, and that, that, that was this interview. That it was. It was basically we just. It, it was like setting off a bottle rocket. We like to use. Get away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We just sat back and watched it go. It was amazing. Well, and, and we saw too. With, with that interview that um, the cast really came together as family as well. Really? And the, and the mm-hmm. devastation you, you would have thought Doom dropped a major bomb on them when they, they couldn't release that movie. Or when that movie got yeah. pulled. Yeah. See, they didn't know that that film was never going to be released. Oh, that's harsh. Not, well, not while they were making it. And right. I, in just so many ways, that film, it, like I said, they got the characters. They mm-hmm. understood the characters and it was in many ways the closest in terms of heart mm-hmm. yeah. the comics. It was definitely the best Fantastic Four film made. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it had a complete yeah. budget. Oh, dear Lord. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, when you consider just how limited their means were, uh, it's pretty extraordinary what they managed to do. Yeah. Now, so, who were some of the influences that you had uh, growing up with? Well, let's, let's 
let's focus on like you know who was writing for Fantastic Four certain story arcs that that particularly uh, that you find memorable. Well, you see, my experience with uh, comics g- growing up was the was essentially I was limited to spinner racks, right? I the mm-hmm. it, I didn't really get a chance to go to comic book uh, comic stores regularly until adulthood. Mm-hmm. So I rarely got any kind of an arc, right? I get individual issues of one thing or another, picking up whatever, you know, uh, we were at the, at, at, down at the beach, I would go in regularly and pick up, you know, something that looked cool. And it was kind of got used to the fact that I would be reading stories that would start in the middle and end in the middle. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's some stories that I only just, you know, that's taken me 30 or 40 years to find out what happened. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, so, you know, you know, God bless Marvel Unlimited where I can finally <laughs> uh, catch up with, oh, yeah. so that's how it, uh, what happened, right? So the, I mean, in terms of individual, I think the, uh, as far as, yeah, creators are concerned. The, the the one that I remember being aware of uh, as a child was Jack Kirby, and so it would be in like uh, Treasury collections. Like the uh, uh, there was a, a Thor one uh, that I, I had that I read and reread and reread. His his adap- uh, his uh, Treasury adaptation of Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey was a huge in- in influence on me, and and the, the Eternals just uh, that was actually one of the first. Uh, I was given the first 10 issues, I think it was, as a gift uh, for birthday or Christmas. And that was the first arc of any kind of, uh, that, that I ever had uh, prior to acquiring the complete run of the Marvel Godzillas. So that was one of – so that was uh, another really formative experience. Uh, so with the Fantastic Four, it was considerably more fragmentary. I had the – it was a one of those read-along records which – uh, had the it, it was a recounting of their origin and a, and a fight against the mole man and I remember listening to that over and over again and then I'd, I'd get some of the individual issues of uh, Marvel two and one uh, so I think that the thing and the golem was the one that was was my favorite there but it was and you know I liked the Fantastic Four just fine but it was Doctor Doom that I that uh, that I wanted to get so though if if I look at my my youthful collection there might I, you know, off the top of my head do I have have any Fantastic Four issues? I must have. I think I might have a couple. But what I do have is more than one issue of Supervillain Team Up, right? Uh, ah, because, okay. Right, and the 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 really big influence that I reference, in fact, in the Harrowing of Doom, and that's probably the single biggest influence on me as far as my experience with Doom is concerned, and what really uh, cemented him as my favorite character, and the, the story that I would return to over and over again was Supervillain Team Up number 15, which was a reprint of the, of, I think, Tales to Astonish, the, the two-parter in, in those where uh, Doom goes off to the Riviera while they're repairing his castle and the Red Skull comes in and takes over Latveria and Doom has to come back and kick ass. And uh, I, I just, I love that story to death. Uh, <laughs> I, I never get tired of rereading it. So that was one of the, you know, a real crucial read. Uh, that I'm forever grateful. I probably found that one at the, at the spinner rack at the airport or something like that. <laughs> and Doom's kind of unique because it, he's most of the time the villain, but sometimes he can be, I don't want to use the word good guy, yeah. but more 
not so bad guy. Well, he, yeah, he's a complex figure, and the the, the context shifts, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you know, yeah, I mean, you're right. Yeah, I mean, he is on the one hand one of their most most awesome and and dangerous villains, but. There is that sense of, I mean, let's be uh, careful how one phrases this exactly, that the the ends that he's aiming for are not, you know, it, it's not, uh, you know, just watching the world burn, right? No. Uh, no. That's, that's not uh, where, where, where he's going. And the, the, the doom that uh, you see when you're outside of Latveria is different from the doom you experience within Latveria, let, let, yeah. let's say, right? Uh, especially, uh, that's yeah. one of the reasons why, I uh, for the, I've, I've set the books at a point where he's been on the throne for about 15 years, so that he's been there long enough for his rule to be a fact of life for everyone there. But per, certainly, every adult in Latveria would remember what it was like before, right? Uh, and uh, what what that previous regime was like. So that would you know would sort of further complicates things. I think. Yeah. And I have to admit, that's one of those things where it's like I want to, I, you know, when 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 he's in New York or wherever, causing trouble, and I and I still take it personally that he built Luke Cage out of uh out of you know what he his fees were. <laughs> I, I still t- I I will not let that go. But he he genuinely loves Latveria. Like and at first I think oh he doesn't really love Latveria. He he's just power hungry. He doesn't want anybody to take take that away. But the thing is, I think he legitimately loves his country. So it's like, you know, like, you know, maybe as long as you're in Latveria, we're good. <laughs> you know, but I mean, well, OK, I'll, I'll ask you this. And if, if this is an unfair question or if you, or, you know, or change it how you however you yeah. wish. OK, Victor Von Doom, villain, patriot, somewhere in between or none at all. Or or all of the above, right? Uh, and you know, d- depending on the day of the week and, uh, and 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 where you are. I mean, I do think that uh, his. I, I would agree with you that his, his love of Latveria is genuine, right? Um, and I, I one of the things that uh, that I've done to uh, try to deliberately uh, sort of make the issue as, um, as as I don't know if gray is is the word that I, I want to go for here, but to there's a fine line to walk. Especially uh, with stories set in Latveria, where and since Doom is the protagonist, there's going to be this heroic aspect, right? But at the same time, he is still, you know, he's, he's a supervillain. So there's a the, the, there's a bit of a balancing act that, that I have to do. So, but based on the uh, you know some of the you know, the stories that, that I read and the, the perception he uh, has of Latveria, and again, we have to factor in the fact that so Doom's been around for well over half a century now, right? Mm-hmm. With many different creators working. With with him, uh, all sorts. There's all these different interpretations uh, of of Doom, uh, and sometimes I can vary within uh, from from story to story within a single uh, series. Right? Uh, the in uh, the the, the supervillain team up, uh, his behavior could change. You know, you, you could have uh, actions that don't seem entirely consistent from one issue to the next. So you almost have you can kind of pick which one of these is is your Doom, right? Which, which the, the ones that that, mm-hmm. that brings truest for you, right? Uh, and so, uh, 
so I have a Latveria that where you know universal basic income, uh, higher education is free. Uh, you know, there's uh, the, you know the the because of the the gigantic you know wealth that that uh, Doom brings into the country uh, through his inventions is effectively no poverty. There's really no barrier to anyone achieving their greatest potential as an artist, a scholar, uh, or or whatever, right? But there's always the caveat that you achieve this, the the, the, the greater your achievement, the more useful you are to Doom, right? It's, right. Uh, you know, everything that he does for Latveria then is going to turn around and be better for Doom, right? Right. The, you're, uh, because all, because uh, all of you belong to him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, so it's this, it's a this and there's that, right? Uh, and some of the characters find that easier to deal with than others. Do, do you think that that's part of his motivation or or was that a an unforeseen side benefit? That's a really good question. Um, because because yeah, I think his, his motivations we can see are, are, are themselves not necessarily consistent all the time, right? That he mm-hmm. is, that he, well, as is true for, for any of us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're not completely uh, completely consistent uh, beings who don't contradict ourselves in uh, or don't, don't have conflicting motivations, right? So we can look at the, you know, what, what drove him, right? The persecution of the, the, the Romani people of his mother, her, you know, her, what, what happened to her, the death of his father, the uh, the tyranny that he overthrew. Uh, so there, there's that, but then there, there's also the megalomania that's, that, that's operating there as well. So which you, know, you can see these these uh, two sides at war uh, within Doom uh, mm-hmm. himself, right? I think we've uh, I think you see that certainly in the recent uh, uh, Doom series too, right? Where mm-hmm. there's uh, you know there, there, there's the part that you know, for instance, that he will immediately surrender uh, himself rather than see Latveria be destroyed, and right. we've seen him certainly save Latveria many uh, many times over. Uh, but you know, then there's the but there, there, there's still the uh, the power hungry megalomaniac. The qu- some of the, the questions uh, that arise though is what does he want that power for, right? And that changes too from uh, from circumstance to circumstance. So I think it's that that bundle of contradictions that the, the fact that he can uh, appear to be one thing uh, under one set of circumstances in one particular location, and he's something completely different in, uh, somewhere else, is one of the things that makes him so fascinating. Uh, the, I was doing a another interview the other day and I pointed out that, you know, I, I don't want to push this analogy too far, but if you look at the case of Napoleon, right? Uh, so France and Britain both have train uh, subway stations named after battles involving Napoleon. Now, they're not celebrating the same side of, uh, <laughs> of, of that historical figure, uh, right? But uh, but the, uh, and so the, the perception in, in, from one place to the other is going to be drastically different, but the, Im- the import of the figure is inarguable. Yeah, I don't know if you uh, read the uh, the Doom twenty ninety nine series uh, back in the day when when Marvel was doing that. Uh, but there was there was a quote, an interchange between Doom and a character named Fortune, uh, where basically Fortune, who she's she's a tarot card reader that that's her name. She uh, said, "You know, you know, you'll forgive me if I don't share your dreams of global conquest." And and he comes back and says, "You know, my goal is not conquest."
trust. My goal is building the future. I am the architect of that future. Right. And that that quote just kind of stuck with me as it's not that that Dune doesn't necessarily covet power just for the sake of it. Yeah. I mean, is he's he's building something, and the the power is more or less a means to an end. Right. Right. And you know, and his his version of that end might not be everyone's cup of tea. I suspect he <laughs> very likely wouldn't be. Right. But uh, but it's not. But 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 the, yeah. The, but the end isn't in, you know intended to be some kind of you know bloody cataclysm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is like like said, building a future. Yeah. And I'll be I'll be honest with you because right now I'm I'm learning so much about Doom because I because I'll I'll admit you know I've, I, from reading Fantastic Four and every, everything that I've consumed where where you no know, Doom was a part part of the story I'm like oh he's a villain that's just where I that's where he starts and ends so uh, really I'm just kind of taking in everything that you're you're laying out how complex he is and I'm like man I I just missed a lot about who like okay I I my attitude was like if it wasn't if it's not Laveria Latveria he doesn't care but that does that doesn't seem to be the case here but I'm also learning a lot more about even though even though he his love for Latveria is legit he benefits from that love and not that he necessarily purposefully manipulates the situation so that he's benefiting from it, but he knows he's going to benefit from it. It's just, I don't know, that that's just... Yeah. Well, now I, now I, I gotta go back and read something. <laughs> so. Well, I think he saved the universe the odd time, too, right? Uh, yeah. So Once or twice, maybe. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. What have we done lately? Yeah. Um, yeah, he strikes me as being... You're right. Um, I don't want to use this this analogy too, too flippantly, but he's like a farmer. He's like a, like almost like a, a cattle rancher. It's like, yes, mm. I care for, I care for the cattle that are on my ranch, but they are my cattle yeah. mm-hmm. and I own this, these cattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I they, am, are, they are his they, subjects, right? There's, there's right. no, yeah, they, they, they are, they are the subjects of Latveria. They're not citizens in the, uh, first, they're first, or they are, but they're first and foremost subjects. So yeah, like, like, like you suggested there. You know, it's kind of crazy because like they, they have this great life now I, I, I it's not going to necessarily be like on the level of wakanda great no. but but it's still it's still really good and i'm like well are you would you be okay being li- living in uh i'm not even gonna call it a mon- monarchy it seems like it is really a dictatorship but it's almost like this weird benevolent dictatorship sort of i don't know i mean don't cheese well, him off but yeah yeah well i mean when, when i was the, some of the uh the, the the models I was drawing upon uh, for him too, or the, it was the idea of well, like the the enlightened despots of uh, the uh, right the nineteenth century, so you know Catherine the Great <laughs> and, and so and so forth, um, and. But yeah, I mean, I think the the distinction you draw is also really good, right? I mean, there's quite the difference between Wakanda and Latveria, and I think the I mean, if you look at how the the uprising in the um, in the, in the first uh, dozen issues of uh, Tanaisi Coates uh, Black Panther on how things yes. wound up there, right? Uh, yes, yes. Which would be unimaginable in Latveria, right? Uh, right. The, yeah, the, it was essentially winding up with a constitutional monarchy and the idea there being that it's the 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 monarch the king is a symbol ultimately a uh, and a representing the people but not ruling over them now that's not what the situation is in Latveria right no, uh, no, and no. Yeah, just 
you know, uh, it would that, that that kind of compromise simply wouldn't happen. But I do find it interesting too that in the uh, when when T'Challa goes down a, a rather dark road and has that meeting with all the various secret police and torturers from uh, these the various other countries, right? Uh, and you know, briefly, and then you know, fortunately, says, okay, no, 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 that's that's <laughs> that's not the road I'm going to go down. Now there isn't one there from Latveria. Now, granted, given the history between uh, Wakanda and Latveria, they're very like, you know, there wouldn't be one, right? No, uh, no. Uh, so it wouldn't make sense for there to be one there, but uh, but but still, I I, I guess I, I like the, the, the absence uh, as, as, as present there. I mean, the, the other models that I, 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 I've drawn upon is uh, I see Doom, well, when I, um, uh, the day job hat I have on is um, uh, a, a, a teaching at the university, and when I uh, talk to my students about Gothic uh, literature and uh, and or and the poetry of the Romantic era, and we we have to talk about the Byronic hero and the Gothic hero villain, right? Mm-hmm. And and the difference between the two, and when I d- suggest some modern equivalents of these figures, right? Like Batman, for instance, being a fairly nice uh, uh, example of a modern Byronic hero, right? So the the outsider, you know, goes plays by his own rules, but there's a moral code there, right? The, mm-hmm. However, however, outside the law, that code might be, it still exists, right? Whereas the Gothic hero villain, you know, uh, so these examples of that would be, say, Darth Vader or Doctor Doom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so these these figures, of, there was a potential for good, but it's all gone to smash, and they they they, be, they become evil, but so that that's something I've I've done for years, but I wanted to to play around with that a bit. When I the more I thought about uh, Doom, and the more some of the other things I went back and 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 read, and certainly in the context of Latveria, there it becomes a lot more complicated, right? There he seems mm-hmm. there because and you know it's it's easier to shift him from the Gothic hero villain into the Byronic, a very dark Byronic hero, but closer to that that side of things. Where and but even perhaps outside, there there's often not always there seems to be some kind of code. I'm going to come back to the point you, the point you raised about the the building of the future, right? There's there's some there's always something else there other than uh, j- just the rampant megalomania and, uh, and 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 hunger for power. Okay, now 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 some. I get the feeling that some writers treat Doom like, and I hate to even bring this up, but they treat Doom like the anti Reed Richards. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, now, now obviously, I, you know, I get the feeling that you, you obviously do not see that. Uh, but do you ever, does, does Reed Richards ever figure in into who Doom becomes? Or is that a complete, is, is that just something that is outside, like, you know, Doom Doom thinks of Reed Richards when he comes across Reed Richards, and that's it. It's not like, oh, I got to do this because I want to be better than Reed, you know? I think Richards is an obsession for him, right? Uh, because he is so connected with how Doom became Doom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, he's not just, you know, what, what changed him from Victor Von Doom to Dr. Doom, right? Uh, and the uh, and where his, his last name, um, you know, be, becomes the the adjective, uh, or the or the or the rather the, the the noun I should say, and so I I think the. 
Now, on, on the one hand, be, uh, because the, the, the novels that, that I've written are, are uh, th- these two are focused entirely on that area, the Fantastic Four don't don't appear in them. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a, a distance there. So let, let's say uh, Doom certainly has other things on his mind other than Reed Richards, there, uh, other other pressing matters. But mm-hmm. he is still he's he's the he's the scar, uh, uh, metaphorically speaking, right? And the the obsession to be better than than him is certainly there, and I think uh, there's something to the the anti Reed Richards, or at least the the idea of the, of the binary opposition, where you have two things that are opposed but are inextricably linked as well, right? Because okay. it's not like Richards is uh, isn't without a powerful ego himself, and right. the, the the potential to you know you know maybe uh, the, the the occasional bad judgment that uh, uh, might screw things up spectacularly. Uh, I mean, not. It, it, I don't want to push the comparison too far because they are very, very much opposed to one another. But you sort of, you know, you wonder too when you see two characters who are that ferociously at loggerheads. But you can also point to all the things that they have in common, mm-hmm. right? And th- right. Th- those very, those very elements, uh, you know, is would would contribute to the fact that a they are uh, such antagonists, but b they can't ever let it go. So you. We're talking about Reed Richards and and Doctor Doom, and you have mentioned a favorite story where um, he's he's at loggerheads with the Red Skull. Uh, are there any other characters in the Marvel universe who's got a relationship, and I use that term very loosely, uh, with Doctor Doom that just that stick out in your mind? Well, Namor would be the the, the I think the obvious one for me Ooh. because again because of the supervillain team up right and he. He's the the I mean uh, he's he's the other main character for most of that run and the yeah he and Doom again colliding the like the their very similarities uh, pride egotism uh, distrust of uh, of outsiders all all these sorts of things are the are the, the things that they have in common are the, the things that simultaneously bring them together and push them apart uh, mm-hmm. so that they're you know the, the the various schemes that they have together then then you know. They, they simply don't trust each other, and uh, and, and it all, all falls apart. And I think it's interesting seeing over the course of that series the push and pull where each of them individually says, okay, that was stupid. There's no reason for us not to be able to to work this together. I really have to behave myself. And then they both fly off the handle immediately uh, once they, uh, they, they, they they start talking uh, with each other, right? They, they can't help themselves. So, and, and so I think the, uh, what, I guess what, what pops to me is, is the pattern of the, you know, the, the other monarchs, right? So the, uh, the, the ones who one way or the other are rulers of you know, lost cities or hidden cities, uh, or you know, micronations of of one sort, one sort or another. So, oh look, you know, look how often uh, uh, Latveria and Wakanda uh, are, are are at odds with each other, right? Uh, you know, it's the it, it, it seems you know almost natural, not just because of you know say vibranium, but because of who is who the leaders are and then the nature of those the, those worlds. So it's uh, so I, I I do see that that kind kind of interesting, right? Um, 
that that the, the linkage between the various Marvel monarchs. It's uh, it, you know, the, it's funny that you that you mention like that name Namor and Doom, and actually that I, I get goosebumps just even saying the two of them in the same sentence. Cause the truth is, I mean, their egos are both so big that they probably couldn't even fit in the same country. <laughs> but you know, if you had the two of them, if they were able to get past who they are as individuals, and if they were to team up and to go after Reed because, I mean, Reed has a, a complicated relationship with Namor and a very complicated relationship with Doom. If the two of them were to, were able to get past their personalities and team up and go after Reed, that Reed would be done. Like, he, he really would. I, I mean, as smart as Reed is, and I'm thinking that, like, Reed without the Fantastic Four, like, I, I don't know why that would happen, but, you know, I, I, ju- I just think that I, 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 but I can't see that ever happening because, like you said, those those two personalities they can't get past who they are. Yeah, you know. Well, Doom and Namor are both their own worst enemies, aren't they? Right. Uh, for precisely the reasons you just uh, you, you just said that, uh, and and we and you see that. Yeah, uh, I mean, re- repeatedly in the uh, in the supervillain team up, where okay, here's here's the scheme they have. Boy, that sounds really good. Uh, you never really get to find out how it would have worked because they never managed to. <laughs> To put it in the gear, right? They 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 start squabbling again. Uh, but it's yeah. I mean, it, if they could put those things aside, and or for that matter, even if we just look at Doom by uh, on his own, if he could get past all those inner demons or all the the, the ways in which he um, self sabotages. I mean, there's that moment in the uh, the recent Doom series where uh, just this casual remark from uh, of, of Reed's makes Doom go into this total panic of second guessing right and he you know winds up almost killing himself uh and everything going his his calculations were correct if he'd just done what he was going to do in the first place it would have been fine but his obsession with 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 reading okay what did he mean by that oh that i'm going to change this and then every you know uh, and and Reed knows wrong. that. I, well, I, as smart, huh? No, go ahead. Well, no, no. I, I, I think that's that's telling, right? So, like, you know, why would you say anything to Doom at this particular moment? It's like it, it's not that it's um, it's not one's playing checkers and one's playing chess. Do, Doom's playing chess. Reed is playing Risk. You know, <laughs> that's it, and that and I just kind of feel like that they both know how to push each other's buttons. They both know yeah. how to poke the bear. It's just that Reed is. Little has his Reed, Reed is more Vulcan mm-hmm. to, to jump to another franchise. Reed is more Vulcan and and Victor is more Romulan. That's the only way because well, going on, but you know that works too. Well, and and what you said just a few minutes ago, where he said you know that you could imagine them getting uh, winning over Reed, but you 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 qualified in saying Reed without the Fantastic Four, but you know, why would that ever happen? And I think that's that's key, right? Because Reed has the Fantastic. For right, he which grounds him and corrects his, his you know, yes. checks his worst impulses, right? Whereas there's nobody yes. to check Doom's worst impulses. You know, and I, and I didn't even think about that. Like, you know, he, he's got Ben to slap him upside the head and sue the kind of you know reason with like, them. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, and you're right. Like Doom, Doom goes unchecked, and there's. 
Man, and I never really thought about that. I was just thinking, oh, he's just this big personality. And that's true for Namor. I mean, okay, even though Namor has, to a certain degree, he has family, but he's Namor, you know, so. And since, and ever since that was pointed out, my brain is just sitting here going like, now, who would Doom have for his Fantastic Four? I mean, you know, that would ground him, that would, you know, that would basically smack him upside the Doom armored head when he's when he's doing something. And I think that's... I can't think of nobody. anyone. No, there's, there's no one. No. He, 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 he wouldn't accept it. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, here's uh, here's something else I've been I've been wondering. Say, you know, we, we know sooner or later the Fantastic Four will be brought into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But one of the great things about Doom, and there are many great things about Doom as a literary character, is that he has... He's not just a Fantastic Four specific villain. Right. He he's pretty much he has squared off against just about everybody in the Marvel universe at some point or another. And so let's say that Marvel Studios decides to bring him in before the Fantastic Four. Who does he go up against that would be the best debut MCU debut in your mind? Oh my goodness. So so are you talking about a film that is is Essentially, it's Doom's film, but we're bringing in someone else to be the antagonist, or it's someone else's film and Doom is the antagonist. Somebody else's film and Doom is coming in as the antagonist. Huh. You know, I I don't know if I have a really good answer to that question because I mean, you're right that he's you're, you're absolutely correct. He's not a Fantastic Four exclusive villain, uh, but he but at the same time he is so linked to the Fantastic Four. So I I have to confess that the that all that my thoughts. Have been perpetually when you know knowing that okay sooner or later we're going to get the MCU Fantastic Four and think okay that 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 means MCU Doom right that's just the mm-hmm. way where where my mind went so who he would be I mean I guess the the, the I guess to to try to run with that uh, I could imagine you know absolutely any character if Doom showed up it would be a holy crap moment right uh, and uh, and and it would be it would be huge and that would be I mean a hell of an entrance regardless of uh what character now now i mean if it turns if it's like a, the the uh revived remade uh doing it right this time howard the duck and it's doom who's the the antagonist that might be a little bit uh harder to um to buy into maybe on the other hand it would be different i i, I, I could buy i could buy into it with no problem at all <laughs> i was waiting for that i was waiting for it i okay i got one I, I'll throw it out there. Now, I know that and I, and I just think just because of the international implications of it, mm-hmm. Black Panther. Well, I think, I mean, they like, have if there's a, history, a war between right? Latveria and Wakanda. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that would be pretty, I mean, I think that would definitely work a lot better than Howard the Duck. And uh, <laughs> no, I think that would that would make for uh, something, I think it could be like a really amazing story. So to piggyback on that question, and we have had this discussion in the not too distant past, who would you cast as Doom in the MCU? You know, I, I've been asked that, and it's I, I don't have a really good answer for that, because the, the first name that came to mind when I when I first thought this was, was Mads Mikkelsen, but he's already been a villain in the MCU. Uh, and and so when I was kind of going through, the sort of, you know, just about every name I came up with, no, no, he's been, he's in, he's in a Marvel film, he's in a Marvel film. It's like, well, wait a minute, you've used them all up! Uh, so, um, so I don't know, maybe it's, you know, 
um, maybe the, the ideal is someone that we that we don't know uh, and mm-hmm. that, that 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 we but that we sure as hell will afterwards. That's fair. Yeah, I that's. Mean, that, that, I mean, I, and that, and that might just be. I think sometimes, especially if you're talking about a character who is as iconic as Doom, yeah, it almost works against an established actor because either a all you're going to see is that actor in that role or or you're you're measuring how big the character is against who the actor is yeah there, there, there's just too many filters going on sometimes yeah. the best thing is that un, that, that unknown no bring bringing in an unknown face yeah who, who who's able to just legit bring it and you're like what you know yeah I mean like let's when you take somebody that's very well known, so let's let's just say like heck with it, Harrison Ford. You bring mm-hmm. Harrison Ford in as Victor Von Doom. People gonna people aren't gonna they're gonna have trouble with that because right. they're gonna be like you know Han Solo's the bad guy or Indiana Jones is the bad guy. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and cross casting can certainly work re- really well. I mean, uh, you know, Once Upon a Time in the West with Henry Fonda as a psychopath, right? Yeah. But uh, but I, I agree with the, like it, Doom is not a character like say the Joker. Right, which is sort of designed for you know like actors to just you know to to chew the scenery with, right? And mm-hmm. so I mean when when Jack Nicholson was cast as the Joker, it's kind of like well yeah I mean he's been playing the Joker his whole career he used to have the makeup on before, uh, right. but but with Doom I mean you know for what for one thing if you're going to do it right you shouldn't really be seeing his it should be just the mask right so right, right. You, you want someone I mean you think of what Hugo Weaving did in V for Vendetta right uh, mm-hmm. which uh, you know like that that's the sort of performance that that that, that, that you'd need uh, but and uh, to stick with Hugo Weaving uh, prior to the Matrix we well I mean I'd have to check uh, to see what he did before that but I certainly wasn't aware of him prior to the Matrix I was afterwards mm-hmm. yes. Right? yes. Uh, or yeah. take another I mean uh, go back to the original Invisible Man right uh, made, a, made a star out of Claude Rains overnight and you don't see his face until the last few seconds of the film. Right. So, you know, it was the voice, it was the uh and the 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 language of 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 the performance. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think so that yeah, that that's what I think that's what we need with with Doom, someone who who utterly inhabits the character, I think like like what you were saying. So, we're not uh thinking, "Oh, is you know, this this actor with so, with all this baggage are they right for for being Doom?" Uh mm-hmm. especially since uh you 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 shouldn't be seeing them. I mean, but right. again, having said that, uh, if you look at what Carl Urban did with Dread, um, I yeah. mean, you know, uh, mm-hmm. which was which was terrific. So right, right, and he disappeared into the park. Yeah. And you really would mm. need someone that would disappear into the part. And I'm going to use one of his one of his co-stars from Lord of the Rings with it, Viggo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he pretty much it wasn't him playing Aragorn. It was he was Aragorn. And you're right. going to need somebody right. for to do the same thing, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Right. Right. Hmm. It, it, see that that's one of those. And I, I don't know if I can. I, I was trying to think of who could who could. I see, quote unquote, see in that role. And it's like you said, you know, every actor I think about is almost like, well, number one, they're, they're, they're either A, already been in the MCU or, or B, uh, 
I'm not really seeing Doom. I'm seeing the person playing Doom. There's mm-hmm. a difference. You know, there's a difference. So, like, okay, case of point, Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve was Superman. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, and I think the strength, the, the, the plus for him was prior to that, he was a soap opera actor. He may have had a couple of smaller roles, maybe, but, you know, there wasn't anything, you, you didn't have anything to filter through to get to the character, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that, like you said, with Doom, you you should not, number one, I, I, I agree, we shouldn't be seeing under that mask at all. We really shouldn't. Um, And I don't even, I don't even want much of an origin story. You know? Yeah, I was just thinking that. I mean, you know, I mean, if we have to have one, I mean, it, it's a great origin story, but right. uh, but it's also a kind of a complicated one, right? So right. if right. you really want to do the, the the whole origin story, then. You know, you might as well uh, turn this into a Doom series uh, where you can spend, you know, spend a few hours uh, of, you know, with his childhood before we then uh, move move on to to uh, to college and Reed Richards. Uh, right. But if you just, you know, so so turn the origin into just a couple of sentences and and you know, we've we've had plenty of origin stories by now. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and for all we know, there's some probably some phenomenal actor out there that we've never heard of that's that would get get behind that mask and knock it out of the park and that'd be it. You know, so you know, yeah, and I'm fine with that too. You know, it's just it, this part is fun because you always it's curious to see where other people's heads yeah. are at, you know. Well, and, and the more we talk about this, the more I find myself thinking of you know some of the most iconic uh characters uh when and, and the original actors who embodied them were actor you know were actors that you didn't know about right i mean mm-hmm. i think uh well Fra- frankenstein was boris karloff's 80th movie but uh but at the same time nobody knew who he was right he was he was just a mm-hmm. a, a small part character a, a small bit, bit part player right and mm-hmm. then you know he didn't even get get a credit in the the opening credits of uh of the movie he's just a question mark right right, right. Uh, but then, you know, the following year, within a year or so of that, he's now so big that he's credited by last name only. It's just Karloff, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> so there's, you know, it's it's the part that transforms the, the that, that that makes the star. Right, right. right. And it'll it's, probably be, some, like you said, somebody we'd never heard of, or if we have heard of, it'll be, why did they cast him? Mm-hmm. Case in yeah. point, Rob Downey Jr. Right. Uh, or Chris Pratt, right? Oh, Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I was thinking about that I, when I first heard that Michael Keaton had been cast for Batman. I was like, "Are they making it a comedy?" <laughs> yeah, and I just couldn't, you know. And then you're like, "Oh, oh, okay," you know. Or you know what? Bruce Willis and Die Hard. Prior to Die Hard, Bruce Willis was yeah. a rom com guy. That was. Yeah. I, and like as much as I love that movie, I didn't see that movie to like maybe two years after it had been out because I didn't want to see it because he's a rom com guy. After I saw, it, I watched it because I had nothing else to do, and I'm like, what? Well, and you that's know? why in, in the, the publicity reflected that, right? The original poster is really emphasizing the the exploding skyscraper, kind mm-hmm. of sort of leaning on this towering inferno influence because they the uh, the studio wasn't convinced that Willis would. Enable any way be uh, name enough to carry the film. Right. You know, like what his biggest movie up to that point was Blind Date, you know? <laughs> uh, okay. And or uh, another one. Um, okay, so Keanu Reeves. Uh, yes. Before um, 
Which one was it? Before speed. Speed. Yeah, before speed. speed. Yeah, yeah. Before speed. Like he, he was. He was. You know, he was in uh, Bill and Ted. Yes. You know, Theodore and Logan. Now wait, did now did uh? He was also in Dangerous it? Liaisons, which is yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, which even before Bill and Ted, I think. Which so it was like this. Right. I mean, perhaps there was. Perhaps we uh, we we should have realized. Um, but but certainly, yeah. I mean, Bill and Ted. Cre- well, yeah. And Point Point Break was um, was Point Break before uh, Speed or. After. It, I was before, remember it was I, before speed. Okay. And yeah. see, at, at Point Break kind of changed how I viewed him, but he was still, when he was Johnny Utah, he still tapped into that Bill and Ted thing, you know, because he is a surfer. And I'm like, okay, this is action y, but kind of not, but I still liked it. But then Speed, and I'm like, oh, oh, he's doing action now? And then Johnny Mnemonic, yeah. which yeah. is an underrated, I, I, underrated movie. Yes. You know, but. But one, but one of my favorite Keanu Reeves movies was Young Blood. I forgot. He was the goalie, which he actually played hockey as a goalie. He's the goalie for, for the Mustangs. Yeah. It's funny oh. that you should mention Dangerous Liaisons because I had to read the book that it's based on mm-hmm. uh, my freshman year in college. And which it, it was kind of hard for me to wrap my head around it initially because it, it was not it was a, it, it was a, a series of letters. I right. think that, what do they call it? Epistolary. Mm-hmm. Novel. Yeah, epistolary novel. And then I'm kind of like, I'm watching the movie, and all of a sudden I see Keanu Reeves, and I was kind of like, you got to be kidding me. Ted <laughs> Theodore is in this movie? Yeah. I think that was actually the first film that I saw him in. And it was quite a while before between that and when I, when I saw uh, Bill and Ted. So I had, uh, I think, so I, I think actually my, uh, sort of my, my, my first impressions of him were first Dangerous Liaisons and then Speed. So I, I didn't have to grapple with that. I did, though, have to have to go do the say what uh, when he was cast for Constantine, uh, uh, <laughs> because it was like, well, well, you better not be trying to do your British accent again. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, he said he he did say on uh, one of the night. Time shows that he would love to do a se- another Constantine. I was glad that he didn't do the British accent, though. I yeah. was glad about that. So now I want to see either Bruce Willis or Keanu Reeves take a crack at playing Doom. <laughs> Whoa, you know what? Keanu Reeves. Get the thing. Well, I mean, now that you say it, you know. I mean, no, I, I, no, go ahead. I mean, think about some of his, you, you look at some of his performance in Johnny Mnemonic. You look part of his performance in The Matrix. You see even, yes, Sweet November. Um, yes, I watched that movie. Yes, uh, that was one time too many. <laughs> I mean, he has moments where he can be freaking intense. Oh, John Wick. All three John Wicks. Uh-huh. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a gravitas there and a uh, uh, you know this this contained darkness, which I yeah I could I could completely see that now that you've you know wow. you, you pointed it out. And he and the thing is, he has that ability to disappear into the role. Like when you when I'm watching John Wick, it's not like you know at first it's like oh wow he held on to some of the stuff that he learned from the Matrix, but there, there's that. But then all of a sudden you're kind of like you're you're just pulled into the story because he he becomes John Wick. 
you know, and, and you get pulled into that world. And he has, he's a talented actor. He could do that. I mean, yeah. I mean, I heard earlier this week that in the, the failed Buck Rubanzai project uh, that uh, Kevin Smith was putting together, his idea for Dr. Banzai was uh, Keanu Reeves. Really? See that? I, that? I could see it. I could totally see it. So, yeah. Wow. Oh, no, no, I'm thinking wow. something. Sam Neill. Hmm. Well, I mean, my, my, my first experience with Sam Neill was the final conflict where he plays the Antichrist, right? So uh, yes, you yes, have yes, to sell yes. me on that. He may be, um, he, you know, we're, we're, he may be getting a little old for the part now, uh, which makes me feel old to say that. But um, <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. You know? he was, certainly the, the, the Sam the Sam Neill who played the Antichrist could definitely be Doctor Doom. The Sam Neill who uh, played uh, Cardinal Wolsey in the Tudors could could definitely do that. But, mm-hmm. but no, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that we could get past Keanu Reeves. <laughs> we may have solved it there. We, we may have we have may have broken the code there. Man. Okay, so let's wow. move on to future books because I've seen I've seen your bibliography. There there's no way you're sticking with just two Marvel Untold novels. <laughs> um, I would assume that there would be more Doctor Doom books in the in the future. Are there any particular one? Any particular other characters that you would try like to try to write for? Oh, uh, other than Doom or or yeah, other than Doom? Other than Doom. Um. Okay. Yeah. Boy, there's another good question. Uh, you know, it's it's funny that uh, so by I feel like uh, by landing uh, a Doom with as, as the first uh, uh, Marvel character to write, it feels like I won the lottery first time out, right? Uh, but uh, it is such a, a hugely uh, r- rich universe, right? And uh, there there there's so many other characters. I mean, it's funny the. Uh, the, the the sort of figures that I've tended to that, uh, certainly that I gravitated towards uh, when I was younger were tended to be the uh, less the marquee names uh, or more like some of my favorite characters would have been like Devil Dinosaur or uh, in the Eternals there was a character called uh, Carcass uh, I just I just loved uh, loved that figure so much um, but or there, there was a a villainous kind of android that fought the, uh, that, that completely flattened the Avengers in a couple of issues of Iron Man called Arsenal. Uh, but, yes. Uh, yeah, who is uh, uh, certainly a, a favorite of mine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just, th- these are just, you know, you're certainly triggering all kinds of sort of little figures that I, um, that, that I adored so much from, uh, from my youth. Um, you know, I'd, I'd probably have to, th- um, this is one of these things where, you know, at three in the morning, I'm going to wake up and going, oh, I should have said that, right? Because uh, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Uh, but I, I've been so focused on Doom. And thinking about Doom, that uh, and I think this would please him. Uh, he hasn't left room for anybody else. Right? <laughs> He's just taken up all that that space. Uh, so when I get the uh, you know if, if if and when I get the chance to, uh, to, to to turn to someone else, they'll do the same thing. Uh, but uh, who I would want that to be at this at this moment, I don't think I've got a good answer for you. At three a.m., I will though. Okay, <laughs> you can email us that. One. 
one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, you, the, the thing is, I think Doom, either real or virtual, for some reason, he, he that that's just what he does. He he just he takes all the space. Yeah. So you know, don't feel bad about. It. I think that's no. Just, I think that's just it comes with the territory with him. <laughs> Um, okay, I would definitely be remiss if I did not go down this path, even for just a moment. But uh, a, a, a sizable chunk of your bibliography is set in the Warhammer 40,000 universe. Uh, you've got a sizable black library listing, and I am I love 40K. Uh, my son loves 40K. And with Marvel doing some war, uh, Warhammer 40,000 stories, you know, done Marnaeus Calgar and Sisters of Battle. Uh, do you think that you, do you think there might be any interest on your part as to you know maybe trying and taking a crack at a 40k character in the Marvel universe or just doing a Marvel comic of a 40k character? Oh, I would love that opportunity, absolutely. Right? I mean, if it uh, if if offered the chance, I I would leap at it. Uh, so whether uh, whether that will happen or not, it's it's not something you know that that I know or uh, or, or or could guess at, at this point uh but uh uh would i if uh, if i could absolutely okay let's say hypothetically marvel calls you up and says hey we want to do a new 40k series we want you to write it mm-hmm. and you can pick any character you want who are you going with oh boy well there i have a few favorites i mean some there's this ones that i have written and have a special fondness for right so yarrick uh is uh one of the ones i've lived the most with in the 40k universe and and I feel a very deep affinity uh, for him, and so that he would certainly be at, at the top of my list. Uh, similarly, uh, Castle and Crow of the Grey Knights. Uh, I've I've done two novels uh, with him, and you know him with that cursed sword whispering in his ear all the time. Uh, he's he's such there's there's so much you can uh, do with that character. So those would certainly be at the top of the list. I also have a very very deep fondness for Typhus. Uh, he was the first 40k character I ever wrote about. The very first short story I sold to Black Library uh, was a, a Typhus story, and uh, I would, you know, I, I would love to be able to do more with him uh, at, at, at some point. Uh, but and then on the uh, the Age of Sigmar side of things. There, I've had a chance to do a couple of books with Neferata, and uh, she has been one of my very favorite characters to, to work with. Uh, I, I could write Neferata for years and years and years and never get uh, bored. So uh, if um, if something like that ever came up, oh boy, would I be uh, excited to write about her. Okay, so i got to ask, do you play? Uh, not well. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I mean, for one thing, I'm just, I'm death with dice. Uh, this is why uh, in, uh, in in role playing games, uh, uh, people like it when I'm the uh, the GM because I mean I'm just gonna uh, you know whatever I roll the monsters are gonna be tripping over their shoelaces and you know impaling, them, impaling their eyes on the heroes' uh, uh, swords without them having to raise their arms. So uh, which doesn't serve me well in any kind of strategy game. I, I came to uh, 40k through the 
through through the the fictional world. Uh, I did, of course. Then uh, though, I needed to get you know, a model of everything, everybody that I was writing about, and, and of course, I and, and sort of starting building a whole bunch of different armies. Now, my wife has been somewhat more consistent in sort of focusing on orcs, uh, whereas I uh, I've got uh, you know just you know a bit of everything, and uh, the and it's the problem of of even just just finishing stuff. So, for instance, when I first uh, found out I was going to be writing Neferata, I went out and bought the model. Right? And my mm-hmm. goal was, I'm going to have it glued and finished by the time I finish the first book. Two books later, she's primed. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. See, well, I, I'm boring because I'm all about the Ultramarines. Although I do like the, the Grey Wolves. Space Wolves. Space wolves. The space wolves. That's so what I like the space wolves. Right and, and like the space wolves. And I like the ultramarines. So, but I'm kind of boring. Like you know, like I don't know. <laughs> I've got a fondness for the ultramarines. The uh, I mean, my my first love is horror, and so I mean that that's that that was that's my academic background. Uh, the uh, so I, I you know I, I gravitate towards the, the 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 dark. Oh gee, why am I writing a Doctor Doom book, right? Uh, but uh, so I was uh, surprised when. Uh, my editor asked me to write a, um, a Guillemin uh, novel, and uh, because uh, you know that was not uh, uh, I, I hadn't written any Ultramarines uh, before, but I became really quite fond of, of him, and became he, he started to be the, the, the Primarch that I, I felt like I, I knew the best. So I, I completely understand your your, your Ultramarines uh, love, love there. And I uh, uh, two summers ago, uh, I think it was you know time's gone kind of fuzzy over the last couple of years for some strange reason. Um, But I uh, was asked to do a... um uh, a sort of box set length audio drama of the Space Wolves, and uh, what that meant was I got to uh, uh, I've got the title of it. Yeah, so um, so I got to do uh, Ragnar Blackmane uh, up against uh, Gazgul Thraka, and uh, and I mean Gazgul's one. Of, uh, I, I got a chance to to play with him, obviously with with Yarik, and then but this meant I got to write actual dialogue that would be spoken. Uh, uh, by by Gaskell. so you know awesome. I got to I got to play with some some uh, some big toys that would have you know cool sounding special effects on the audio. So nice, fun too. So yeah. was this done to uh, coincide with the prophecy of the wolf box set? Then because yeah. okay, yeah. okay, I, I play orcs, but so I I got that set and I took the orc side of it, and my son took the space wolves, and so by the way, tell your wife that she is one smart woman because she. <laughs> I will tell her I said the red ones go do. Back and there's never enough DACA. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I, I love the fact that that 40k was was getting some Marvel titles, mm-hmm. and just thought, well, you know, that's that's two that's two fandoms of mine that is, you know, the streams are crossing. Yep. Yeah, and but that's three of yours because you got a uh, Conan too. I do have Conan and Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars. So yeah, they're, they're yeah. all weaving together like a giant crochet <laughs> something. Yeah, I, we've talked so much. I have actually been. <laughs> taken back and listening because it is rare that I don't run a lot of questions. And tonight's been Eric and, and Kylan and it's been great. Um, <laughs> we do let him talk, David. We do let him talk. <laughs> we do. Um, has it been discussed? Is there a third Doom book coming out to make this I, trilogy? 
I would love there to be. I have uh, every. I I hope there will be. Uh, nothing uh, definitive to announce at this stage, but okay. that'll be the hope. I certainly have ideas for what uh, what I'd like to do for a third book. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to do this, guys. I'm going to flip the tables and have David ask us a question. Okay. Or two. See what see what he comes up with. So the, all right. The, the floor is yours, sir. Well, uh, you all know who my favorite Marvel character is. Over to you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Mike, let's go ahead and get yours out of the way. Howard Duck. Good man. <laughs> so I have to, I have to, I'm going to have to pause you there, though, because uh, there is a Howard the Duck influence in Reign of the Devourer. It's indirect, but one of the th- stories that I had in, in the back of my mind when I was writing the, this, this vampire plague was the hell cow story of, uh, of Howard the Duck. Because yes. that, as, as, as ridiculous as this vampire cow is, that was also a really creepy story. Yeah. And the art in there is so atmospheric. And so that was, you know, that was a, that really impressed me as a kid. And that was in the back of my mind when I was writing some of this. Yes. Stuff, so. Yeah. I love the how, um, oh, that was, it was in the, uh, there was a giant early 80s. Uh, it might've been late seventies even. Um, yes, yes, yes. Oh, now I'm checking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you too. What about the other two? All right, Calvin. Uh, so actually I'm in this constant five way tie, depending on the, depending on what kind of mood I'm in or what, you know, but generally my top five would be Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Daredevil, Moon Knight, Shang-Chi. Cause I'm all about the street characters. So depending on what kind of story I'm feeling is one of those, but they all run neck and neck with me. So my stepson is a huge Moon Knight fan. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he was just uh, showing me some of the stuff from the latest issue, uh, which looks spectacular. Yeah. Yes. Yes. With me, it's 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 a continual fight to see who is the favorite. Uh, the answer I give you tonight may not be the answer I give you next week or at three in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, right now it's uh, the original lineup of Excalibur. Oh, really? That's good. Yeah, you know, where you've got Captain Britain, Megan, Shadowcat, Nightcrawler, Phoenix, and Lockheed. You cannot forget Lockheed. Yeah, I think my my uh, what certainly for a while my my favorite uh, hero team configuration at Marvel was the the last one of the defenders with uh, Gargoyle and um, uh, Valkyrie and uh, um, well, the, the unfortunate Moondragon and so on. Ah, Gar- yeah. I, had, I loved Gargoyle. Yeah, any, any kind yeah. of a monster, right? Yeah. They- <laughs> when, when it comes to teams, I've West Coast Avengers. Mm. Always been a West Coast Avengers fan. Yeah. So any other questions you have for us? All right. Uh, okay. Well, you were talking about crossing the streams, right? Uh, mm-hmm. What other streams do you want to cross? Blood Bowl. I want to see a Blood Bowl Marvel comic. Ooh, nice. Ooh. It, it's kind of a GW related, you know, so, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Not beyond the realms of the of possibility. No. I, think. I want to see the Orkland Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see, it's kind of like the School of Hard Knocks, you know, a, a special on them. I would like, I would li- I would love to see a continuation of the Buckaroo Banzai series from the 80s, because uh, I, I love Love that I, I love that story, and actually, I'm a huge fan for a franchise that only has now two books, a few comics, and a movie. But I would love to see Marvel. I love. I would love to see that get the Marvel treatment again. Mm, streams. You're gonna endanger us, Egon. You're gonna endanger at the nice lady who paid us in advance before she became a dog. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 
I know. See, they, they kind of did it once, and I, I want to see more of it. Uh, I want to see a return of the Disney Kingdoms. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, they kind of, and, and since the end of Disney Kingdoms, they've kind of done it with Gal- Galaxy's Edge, now the, the Halcyon Legacy books. Um, but I, I kind of want to see that type of, you know, like what we got with Big Thunder Mountain Railroad with Figma, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. where let's, let's do something Space Mountain that leads up to where where the story picks up now at Space Mountain or right. or Expedition Everest, something like that. Uh, I, w- I would love to see some new tales from Disney Kingdoms. I, w- I want that stream to come back. Craven the Hunter goes after the Yeti. <laughs> oh, there you go. Craven the Hunter on Kilimanjaro Safari. No, because we wouldn't have much of a safari after that. Now, would we? But it helps teach the, the poaching story. Yeah. A message. Watching story. There, there was a, a... There hasn't been a poaching story in Kilimanjaro Safaris for years now. True. What, they, they got rid of the poaching story? Yeah. yeah. What? I love the poaching story. They got rid of the I, they got rid of the gazelle carcass up in the tree. I grabbed... I bought a hat from the right because of the poaching story. Yep, it's gone. Man. And Dave is trying to stifle a laugh here. <laughs> no, I, 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 I think that that's what I want to see. I want to see a return of the uh, Disney Kingdoms. It was, it was it was a crossing the streams that worked, um, and I just don't think they really pushed. They, they, they did certain certain stuff, you know, Tiki Room, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Uh, Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion, and uh, the attraction that never happened at World's Fair uh, was Secrets of the Weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they, even though the, they didn't do Jungle Cruise because the movie was coming out, um, um, I would love to see him go back and do Jungle Cruise. I would love to see him go back. Uh, the Smith Family Robinson Treehouse. Um, Space Mountain. Um, yeah. Something with Mission Space. Mm-hmm. Uh, something involving Test Track as well. And tie it in with Tron to some extent, maybe. Right. Um, the, the, Mount, you know, the Mount Fuji ride that never happened. Fire Mountain that never happened. The Black Forest ride yeah. that never happened. You know, take, take, some of the, take some of the you know mythical show or mythical rides that never happened. And, and make them happen in the books. Could see that. So, uh, David, where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at David underscore Annandale, uh, and uh, that's probably the best place to find me. I do have a um, a website, uh, davidannandale.com, but it's um, it, it, it's a pretty uh, residual blog. So, uh, Twitter is probably the best place to find me. Of course, the book's available now. Has been for fifteen yeah. days at, at time of recording. So, go check it out. Please do. Um, thank you again for joining us. Uh, it was a blast. Oh, thanks for having me. I had a great time. I, 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 this is definitely one of those rare occasions where these guys kept me somewhat quiet, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> anything I was going to ask, these guys beat me to the punch this week. So, I mean, it, it, it's all it's all good, good tidings there. Again, we do let him talk most shows. <laughs> we really do. So, Just the, 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 the way I'm seeing you guys on the screen, you definitely have him boxed in. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all I'm going to say is Thursday, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope, just time to go dark. <laughs> <laughs>